Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. It's a podcast about making things up and making things happen. This episode is part two of our You're in Movies 2021 wrap up with Glenn Gaylord and Drew Drogi as my guest. Glenn Gaylord is a filmmaker and he's also the senior film critic at The Queer Review. Drew Drogi is a repeat podcast guest and a really terrific actor and writer who loves talking about movies. So we brought them all together. Here we are. Part one was last week. We're going to go into part two this week. But before we get there, I want to do a little business. Um, if you want to leave a voicemail for the show, you can do it. I might play it on the air if you want to weigh in on any of the movies. If you want to say, I don't agree with you, I think you're wrong, and here's why, you can do that at one 647 9653 Also, another way you can support the show is by becoming a member of DNR Studios. Uh, Dennis, anyone joined the DNR Studios family earlier this year, and what that means is... I'm part of a group of shows that if you subscribe to DNR Studios for $12.95 a month, you get my show, you get a bunch of other shows, uh, terrific shows, like Tom Goss has a great show, um, and uh, you can support the show that way, or you can just listen the way you've always listened. Um, it's totally up to you, but you can learn about that at dnrstudios.com, and I'm very excited to be part of the DNR um, family because I just got off a tutorial with Romaine Patterson, one of the uh, the heads of DNR, Derek and Romaine, the Romaine of Derek and Romaine. And I have a new piece of equipment. She was talking me through it. So it's all very exciting. It's 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 cool. Maybe my uh, sound will get better. It'll all be kind of really real and cool. So I'm excited about that. All right. Here's part two of our movie wrap-up. This is kind of a general topic. How do you guys feel about people referencing the pandemic in movies and TV shows? Sometimes it's like... Oh, I don't want to see that. And other times you think, well, we've got to, or well, I don't know what the I don't know what the right strategy is because it depends on what your mood is, right? Um, some movies I think you want to ex- want them to exist in a world where that never happened or isn't happening, and then sometimes, or sometimes they do this. They 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 have masks for part of it to acknowledge it, but then they have horrible mask etiquette manners, like they don't yeah. wear them when they're close to people. I, depicting the pandemic in movies is weird. And sometimes it works for me and sometimes it doesn't, or sometimes I'm not in the mood for it. I don't know. Thoughts? I don't know exactly how I feel about it yet because I feel like we're still in it. And so I feel like my issue is just that we've all had this collective, very boring experience for two years, like with all of it. And it's just not that compelling. Right. And I want to watch a movie to see people at their most interesting, their most unraveled, their most vulnerable, sexy, hilarious, awful. And instead we're like, oh, ho-hum, I'm going to put a mask on to go to the grocery store. I don't know that I want to watch that. And I don't... I agree. And every we all sat on our couches and tried not to die for two years. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think that that's like anybody's story is more interesting than anybody else's. So, yeah, yeah I don't know. No, it's, it, <laughs> it's, it is interesting. And we'll see how that stuff ages. Um, I wanted to mention... Uh, House of Gucci, because this was another movie where I watched it and thought, what am I meant to be thinking about? What are they saying? And I couldn't come up with an answer. Um, but as it was happening, I, I think I was entertained enough. Um, but I, I think it's, I don't think it's, I think it's one of those movies that they build as a big year-end awards contender. And then we all kind of have digested the meal and we're like, mm, maybe not. What thoughts? I thought it was 
repulsive. I thought it was, <laughs> I thought I was so angry that it wasn't even campy enough to laugh at. That's the thing. They were going for camp. And like, I don't, I like Jared Leto. I don't think he should get anywhere near an awards podium. He's for this horrible. <laughs> I, I do not. And I will say, I am so angry that this person's going to get his second He'll get, he'll get, he, here he has one Oscar and he has several nominations other than, right? I think he was, was he nominated for the thing last year? I don't know. Golden Globe. Okay. Okay. So he, he, it is, it is, I understand why any Italian is offended by, to talk about like gay representation. If you're like, it is like Super Mario Brothers, like Domino's Pizza commercial. It's so bad. It's Chef Boyardee. I don't know what it is. It's so bad. And it is like um, all the campy moments that were in the trailer. Like the, it, it's so dull, it's so boring. And so he's insanely, he's the worst thing in the whole movie. But I also think Adam Driver, who I normally, I can really like in certain things. I thought he was terrible. I, and I thought that, I'm sorry, but Lady Gaga is not an actress. She's a, an, a, a star, she's an icon, she's a genius musician. But all of that goes away for me when I'm watching her in a movie. The camera is does not love her, and she, her eyes are dead. I'm sorry, it, it does love her when she's on stage singing. I don't know what it is. There's something that takes over when she's. I am a I huge. I mean, it is not her. As it is, it is, it is that. It's that thing where she's she's dead inside. She's not trained as an actor. She doesn't know what she's doing, and the fact that she's doing all these junkets now, talking about her process, when you have. You know, Kate Blanchett and you know, uh, and Olivia Coleman, like on these things with it, just having to sit there and go, uh huh, yeah, you talk about your process. Sure, she suffered like crazy for House of Gucci. Well, and... she lost. <laughs> yeah, well, well, it was a it was a waste of everyone's time and money because it's not good. She's not interesting. Well, and I, I don't know. Again, it was one of those ones where are they trying to say something about greed or money or power or glamour or I don't know. I don't know what they. I have no idea. I mean, maybe it would be an interesting story, but I was so bored. Yeah. I um, this is going to be a current RuPaul's Drag Race reference. Okay. I think of this movie as the metamorphosis of camp, and so it's the straight wow. between yeah. trying to be campy. Because oh, that's interesting. The movie doesn't understand camp except like two moments that are in the trailer of you know right. her kind of being Italian and you know clinking on her glass or talking about don't miss to the hitman. But it doesn't. It's not campy. It's not really all that forward moving it just kind of sits there i did enjoy moments but i look back because i remember seeing with you dennis when we walked out of there going what was this movie about <laughs> what was it about right no clue. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah um, I know. No clue whatsoever. that um, weird scene where they go to the campground salma hayek is the only person that knew what movie she was in sure. she's the only one having fun she's <laughs> doing the gina gershon and showgirls performance you're like oh she gets it Right. Like, but, I'm going to fill out these jeans and strut through this film. Right. I yeah, like it. But I just, I was, yeah. oh my God, bored. All right. Glenn, give us another moment out of time. No, Dad, we've skipped over Drew. So, Drew. Oh, sorry. I, I, oh, it's my turn. Show. Oh, yeah. Okay. What do you got? Oh, uh, next on my list. Oh, is Summer of Soul. Um, yes. The documentary that I thought was just unearthed footage from this concert in 1969. Uh, in uh, in Harlem, some of the best concert footage I've ever seen. I was dancing in the aisles. I saw this in a theater, and it was just so great. I felt like I was there. 
and um and there was just there was i mean and and um aretha franklin's heard it through the grapevine cover is the best version of that song i've ever heard i can't wait to watch it again i I love 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 loved it i started watching it at home and what struck me is they were showing footage of the festival to the people that were there that 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 hadn't seen it yeah it was so moving to see them go oh my god we were there that that happened you know, like we were talking about that movie where it was like, well, that happened. This is more like, well, that happened. Right. You know, and and how moving it was for them to think of what it meant to them. I was I, I remember the fifth dimension, like Marilyn McCoo going, we were so happy to be there and and what it meant because we weren't thought of as very black at the time. Right. I, I did not, you know, yeah. did not know. And yeah. just, and it makes total sense. And it's like and Nina Simone at her angriest and just like, oh, it just I was and and it's just so cool to see something that's been you know we've had a lot of that lately footage that like with the Beatles show and all this stuff like you know this stuff that has been in somebody's garage for yeah. wasn't it found in somebody's basement or attic or something I don't know the story about where the footage found but I knew that nobody had really seen nobody it nobody had here. seen it yeah. until yeah yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite types of documentaries, too, where it's kind of what you're saying, Dennis, like that happened. And yeah. I was struck. I haven't seen uh, Summer of Soul yet, but I saw My Name is Polly Murray and had what sounds like a similar reaction, which is this person is not in our history books. How did this happen? This is somebody who predated the civil rights movement by a long time, predated Rosa Parks by a long time, and yet tried to accomplish um, while being very masculine presenting at that time, which is just living a daring life and being so outspoken and fascinating. And it it angered me that we grew up not knowing about this person. And yeah. we didn't know about the Black Woodstock is basically what they're calling Summer of Soul. Yes. And yeah. I just, I love that these things are now being revealed to us at, at, at you know, about time. Yeah. And it's so entertaining on top of it. It's not just like, it's not history. It's not eat your vegetables. It's like, oh my God, yeah. this is so fun to watch. Yeah. Um, I want I to talk. To read your vegetables movie. Right. <laughs> um, I want to just mention No Time to Die because I'm a Bond fan. And a da- Daniel Craig turns me on more than any man in movies. Like in terms of like, I just want to look at him. I want to lick him. I want to <laughs> see him running. I want to see him in a suit. I want to see him running in a suit. And I get a visceral charge from his, from looking at him, but also what he brings inside too. And he, in a way that no other actor has that effect on me. But, um, and I also want to shout out to Anna Armas who just walked into that movie for 15 minutes put it in her purse, said, I'll see you hopefully in a, in a sequel, and I'm out. Um, <laughs> just, yeah, but I, I I had a good time at that movie. I just saw it recently, just like a few days ago. Oh, right. I need to watch it again because I fell asleep. Oh, just, that's okay. But the opening was incredible. I, I, don't, I can't remember the movie, I, and I watched it on my computer. I didn't go see it. Yeah. Um, right. But the opening sequence is great, and he's one of the best Bonds we've ever had. Oh, if not, maybe the best. I know everyone's in Sean Connery, but he may be yeah. the best Bond we've had. I Never. like him so much that I had stickers. I made stickers on Red Bottle. Oh my God, I, you really? I have, I have two James Bond water bottles. <laughs> I have decided at this age that I'm at that 
suddenly I don't really like something until I get a crafty thing from Etsy about it. I love it. I think it's pandemic uh, cabin fever. (laughs) I'm in a a shop for my emotional uh, fulfillment. (laughs) He's the only one where the storyline is serialized, whereas the others are just standalone films. And I think that's what gives him a lot more oomph, why he's my favorite Bond as well. And the moment out of time for me was in that opening where he just jumps on the motorcycle up over that bridge and lands onto the uh, I gasped out loud. I said, oh my God, when that happened, watching it on my laptop, I was like, what? Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Beautifully shot. Uh, I'm going to give it another chance. I need to, I need to fully yeah. watch the whole thing, but yeah. 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 It's got emotion in it. It's got real, like, it's, there, there's some sort of heavy, profound feel by the end of it that um, you don't typically get in Bond films without spoiling the ending. Yeah. Right. Uh, Glenn, is it, I think it's your turn. Um, sure. Um, how about licorice pizza? Let's talk about it. Because this one is definitely polarizing. Um, it uh, does, I admittedly, have completely unnecessary um, Asian racism in it uh, that is th- incontrovertible. I mean, you watch it. I watched it with an audience in Westwood, mostly UCLA students, and they were booing during the scene. And I thought, you know, they're right. It's like, either give these scenes context or take them out. Because I understand that Paul Thomas Anderson was saying, I, racism existed at the time. I'm not writing this through a 2021 lens. Um, and I get that, had he given the, those scenes context. Uh, but having said that, because I, 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 I kind of just want to mentally excise those scenes from my head from a film that I truly loved otherwise. And I don't know if that's right. And I've had these discussions with other friends who are saying, no, there's no free passes with this. You, you can't love this movie because of that, which we could discuss. Uh, but what I did feel was this movie took me back to my B'nai B'rith youth of the 70s uh, with girls who knew how to walk and felt confident. And they might not have been the most you know, attractive people in the world by standards that are impossible to meet, but they didn't care and they were going to strut through this world and find their place. And that's what I think the story of this movie is, is the Alana character finding her place in the world. And as such, I just, I was drawn into her and drawn into her journey and the racing around and the running and just her reactions to uh, Cooper Hoffman's arrest and things like that. The truck driving scene backwards. It's just got some great sequences. So I don't know how to feel now. Yeah, what do you think, Drew? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's such a, we could do an entire podcast about like, can you, because I would say people that say you can't separate anything from them. It's like, okay, well then yeah, So we can't like gone with the whip. Like there's so many things that you like, you can't like it because of modern, that's, that's, that's a, I hard disagree on that. Anyway, um, I, I totally agree with you about all of that, all the racist stuff in the, in the movie, Glenn. Um, I, I just, for me, I'm the world's biggest Paul Thomas Anderson fan in that, like, I'm the only person I know who loved Inherent Vice. I've loved every movie that he's ever made. I am a huge, I mean, I, once a year I have to put on Magnolia and just watch it and sob because I love it that much. Boogie Nights, I can, whatever's, whenever it's on, I have to stop what I'm doing and watch it. There will be, like, I'm just, and this one did not do that for me. And I'm so, I was so disappointed. I did not dislike it. I didn't hate it. I just was, I thought it was a bunch of moments and I didn't, I did, it didn't move me forward in the way that the, that the others did. And so I felt like the, 
the racist stuff was a problem in this movie because it didn't, like you said, Glenn, he didn't make a thing about it. It's one thing to comment on it and say, look how racist it was in the 70s in California, in Los Angeles, the Valley, like this was happening. Instead, it's kind of presented like it's funny. Um, and it's and it's supposed to be like teehee. Um, the arrest scene went nowhere. It's about nothing. Um, there were so many little moments. The what? The what? I disagree. I don't think it went. Um, maybe I'm sure it somewhere that I didn't understand. I will I say that it went over my head. How much she cares about him? That was the reason for it. Okay. Okay. But like in terms of story wise, I was like, why? And then I was like, why? There were so many things in it that I found. Um, that I thought that. Um, Bradley Cooper's thing was insane and crazy. I thought that the scenes in the in the dinner scene, it was like a bunch of different movies, and I, I kept trying to get in. And I was like, I love PTA. I love this world. I love the way it looks. Um, and and also, it like it didn't make nearly enough of a comment about a 15 year old dating a 25 year old in the same way that to me, that's like, yes, the genders are swapped, but. Let's explore. She has this one scene and she goes, is it weird that I hang out with 15 year olds? Yes, it absolutely is weird. If you're 25, there's something wrong with you that you want to hang out with 15 year olds. And we're, we don't ever go there again. Had she been, you know, 18 or even 20, 21, I would have been, it would have been different, but I was like, that's a 10 year difference. And it doesn't make much of anything. Of course, I loved uh, um, Christine Ebersole as Lucy Doolittle. It was one of my favorite moments of the year uh, in that crazy moment. I did love the, the the van backing away. You know, there were moments in the movie that I thought were so great. There's a beautiful scene with Mary Elizabeth Ellis as his mother when they're eating the cheeseburgers in the car. That's so beautiful. Like, there's stuff in it that I absolutely love. But overall, I was like, I'm, this is kind of a mess. And maybe that's the point is to be like, what it's like to be a teenager. It's like, you're confused, but so many things were explained how he would get new jobs. And I just, I didn't care enough to, I, it felt very episodic and I wanted, I wanted a lot more or a lot less, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. I really liked it. And I liked, I liked the two of them so much. And I liked that they know that they're not supposed to be really a couple and they but they just keep coming back to each other because of something deep that i don't think is necessarily sexual or even romantic or something it's like you're the person that gets me um so i and i love that they're i i loved her because she's not she's not like when they discovered cameron diaz in the mask and she's a a bombshell and you're like of course she she doesn't look like your typical movie star love interest (laughs) but her confidence and her um oh she was great the way she She moved she was just so winning and sexy i get why i get why any teenage boy would be after her i totally sure yeah, they both they both were way more confident than they should have been. <laughs> yeah. they had in common, they both kind of yeah. they were into each other and kind of saw each other's bullshit at the same time. I mean, that I thought was very that clear. Felt, that felt so true to me because back at that point in time, you know, we were not inundated with looksism the way we are now, and so I felt that that kind of confidence rang true for me. That yeah, I yeah, that's what was cool about it. And oh, sure. In fairness to the timeline of the film, which isn't as explicit as it, as it should be, um, years go by in this film. So they're, right. they're, they're completely platonic until we presume he's actually of age by the end of that movie. And so, yes, she's still way older than he is, and it's weird and creepy. But 
at least it feels legal by the end <laughs> when <laughs> when actual physical contact yeah. may happen or you know so um I, I kind of give it a pass on that because I do think that this is what Dennis is saying. This is about being drawn to a person, not necessarily a sexual situation. In a way that they fight it, or at least she fights it, sure. in, you know, until she can't fight it anymore. Um, yeah. So, well, Drew, Drew, what's I another? What, Drew, I know how much you like the movie Nashville. It's my favorite movie of all time. The guy who's hanging out outside the. Uh, politician's office and then he's outside the restaurant and she kind of confronts him and you know wants him to go away did you think he was an assassin like in nashville oh maybe because i have a friend who's straight who his take on it was even though it's never said in the film that no this is a guy he hooks up with and that they he's not out so he doesn't talk about it oh i got that i i felt that too Oh, I didn't. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I thought that as well. And I thought, I just, the whole thing I was like, because I love him so much, I was like, make this a series, because I may really enjoy, I, I, you know, I was certainly not hating at watching it. I just was so, I couldn't, couldn't get in. But yeah. my favorite scene in it is with Alana Haim and the boyfriend, the, the, a, gay, a gay character that we only see in that one sequence. Um, and she walks him home. He's been sort of I don't know, pushed aside by his partner because they have to keep it a secret. And she's sweet with him. And I was so moved by it. Yeah. Like I, I love, there was something tender and sweet about, that's my favorite scene in that movie. Did y'all um, clock right away that that character was gay though? Cause I no, did. I didn't. No. Oh God. I just no. immediately was like, oh, he's gay. And I don't know why. And I was like, Drew, your brain always goes there. Get yeah. away. And he was, I was like, oh man. Yeah. I thought the guy that she interned with right away was gay. Interesting. But uh, yeah, I, I, but I will say that, yes, it's episodic and kind of random, but I found the through line to be the running scenes where they're always kind of drawn and running towards each other. And that kind of glued the movie together for me, despite it being kind of haphazard. Because yeah. I think it is based on Gary Getzman's anecdotes that he told Paul Thomas Anderson. And they're all true. He did have a waterbed story. He was in mm -hmm. years and hours. Mm -hmm. And I think he just took the best anecdotes and so yeah. this film. Uh, what's another movie on your list, True? Oh, me. Um, yeah. I love, this is another uh, documentary that I loved, uh, The Sparks Brothers. Um, oh, I didn't see that. It's, talk. oh my God. I thought, well, I sadly knew very little about them. I had heard of Sparks and it was, I, I did not, I, I just am so just completely ignorant to their world. And I thought it was, it I thought it was uh, an incredibly inspiring story about artists who just stayed true to who they were, who just who just always, you know, made things. I mean, I, I, I was very emotional watching it, just like, you know, as someone who's always making things and putting them out, and sometimes they hit and sometimes they're, they don't, and, you know, and you're always trying to, like, you know, get fed and, 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 you know, and I just, I love the story of like, you know, um, every musician's favorite musicians. And um, I thought they were just compelling characters and I loved all the Marauder section when they did all, you know, and I just, I, it made me a fan uh, for life for them. And I thought it was really incredible. And you didn't know them going in. So you weren't a fan going I'd in. Heard the, I'd heard the name and, and like, you know, but even in like, I, I don't know that I knew any of their songs. Yeah, me too. So I, I kind of stayed away from it because I just didn't know them. 
So maybe I'll give it a chance on your recommendation. You know, Cool Places with Jane Weedland, don't you? I don't really I didn't know that. Really. I didn't know that song until I saw it on there. And I was like, this is so cool. And just like the fact that she was there. And I just love all the interviews and, the, and just seeing so all these other musicians of all different genres that love them and that they're still around, still making things. They've never had huge hits. I mean, I don't know. I just found that to be so inspiring for us. And our culture now, we're all obsessed with being number one and being famous and making millions. And these are guys who are often on food stamps and who are, you know, Duran Duran's favorite band or whatever, fill in the blank's favorite band. I, I was just really into it. I love so that. I think this mileage may vary with this film, depending on the fandom. Uh, I've been a lifelong fan of them or forever since uh, forever ago. And I've always loved them. And I always knew that they were punking us at the same time because they never revealed anything about themselves throughout their careers. And they kept that at a distance on purpose. Um, and because I knew that and knew all of their music going in, uh, I thought the runtime was kind of excessive. Oh, it's really long. It's three hours. And it's Is it uh, really Yes, and it's chronological from one album to the next, which I found very unimaginative. And I also learned very little about them, which I think is baked into the concept. I didn't really learn much about their personal lives at all. And uh, I, I just kind of was numb watching it, even though I liked all of the things you've said. Like, I love the fandom from other musicians. And that is something you don't get to see, that generosity. Right. Which is really nice. Um, and I loved hearing music their music over again, you know, that um, has always inspired me. I think they're funny. Uh, but yeah, I just, I thought it was too drawn out and not as informative to a, if you were from a fan perspective. Maybe so. Cause for me, like, I can't even believe I would, I would, it was two hours long. Cause I, I was like, which is long for any film, especially a documentary. But I was like, it flew by to me. Cause I just knew nothing. And I was like, in it, like, I mean, you know, I went in as such a layman that I really knew nothing. So, yeah. So, um, for my next one, I think I want to talk about the movie I saw most recently, Drive My Car, the uh, Japanese movie that uh, is on a lot of critics' lists. Um, it's about a actor and theater director in Japan who, in the wake of a tragic loss, goes to uh, Hiroshima, a different community, to create this production of Uncle Vanya with these different actors. I was, I, it cast a spell on me. I was, it's long, but it, it, I went there and I found it very moving. I found it like kind of profound and talking about how art makes life bearable. Um, and it had all these beautiful grace notes, but it was one of those mo movies where you're reading the subtitles and you're thinking, if I were hearing these words in English, is this dialogue not that great? You know what I mean? Like, uh, if, if or is the translation not great? Like, right. it, it, is it stronger in in native Japanese to hear it? You know, yeah. There was one scene where the the, the subtitles were like, "Wow, he's really on the note. He's saying it exactly like he's just saying the 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 subtext or whatever." And I was like, "If that were in English and some, you know, Tom Hanks were saying it, would I?" would I have, be having the same reaction? But I thought it was beautiful. And I thought it was, um, it moved me moved me a lot and stayed with, it's one of those movies that has stayed with me and you go home and you start reading about it and, and all of that stuff. Um, Glenn, I know you saw it and uh, did not have the same experience I did. No, I don't dislike the movie. Right. Um, in fact, I like everything you just said about it. I just, I found it ponderous. That's all. It just, it just, 
moved like molasses. Right. Yet I liked what it was about. And I yeah. really, really enjoyed the character of the guy who's the star starring in Uncle Vanya, the young kid. I yeah. really liked his storyline because I thought it was shocking and interesting and where it went. Uh, yes. I found he... I found the Uncle Vanya stuff to be just ponderous as it would be. <laughs> but I, I mean, I liked that he's staging it in multiple languages. It's all interesting. And that there is this passion for how an artist prepares because the, the movie's about him driving, being driven an hour um, to the uh, rehearsal halls every day because he needs those moments to figure out everything out. I like that, but I don't know that I needed to see him driving from Hiroshima in real right. time. Yeah, it, it felt like <laughs> real time boredom to me at times. Yeah, I hear you. I get it. I, I, that's why I wanted to see it in the theater because I think I focus better. I I I'm more. Um, I go on the ride more than I do when I'm at home. What did you see it, Drew? I did, and I completely agree with Glenn. And I, I agree with what you've said that you like about it, Dennis. I wanted to love it, and I'd heard that it was, and I was right. Like, it was like I'm so there to like love it. And I, there's, you know, the reveal at the end emotionally, what's going on. You're like, oh, it's really interesting. But oh my God, I felt every minute of that movie. I was like, yeah. I was so, yeah. I, I get to it, get to it. I was really getting irritated with it, which makes me not like the people and not care about them because I'm ready to dance it over. So I, and I'm shocked that it's like everyone's number one movie of the year and it's going to definitely win the Oscar. Um, for for best international film this year, and it will, you know, and it's just, I'm sort of confused because I, it's and it's a beautiful film. It's beautifully shot. It's another one though. I feel like maybe had it were it a series, I would like it more because it could be a it could be really more drawn out and about certain things at a time. But it because it, I thought it was an interesting exercise and 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 i was like oh you know and it, and i love what it did with the subtitles because it does there uses multiple subtitles different languages with the on stage and what they you know and there's stuff in it that i find really really interesting but i wish i had loved it as much as other people are loving it um i just never ever want to go there again yeah i mean <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's interesting it takes 45 minutes for the title card to come yes out. and that made me crazy that was like i hate when that things happen because i'm like now you're fucking with me yeah well, i was confused by it i was, confused by it. I was like credits? yeah either the end credits also, or is it a different movie like i was confused by that too i cried bullshit on the title of the movie because i went in thinking oh this is gonna be poppy and fun like the beatles song baby you right 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 and we didn't get that. And so oh, they didn't I, even I, use that I, I song. I ripped off right away. Even though I'm fine with a slow movie. I like slow cinema. I mean, sure, I, me too. I, I watched Memorial with Tilda Swinton, and that's the slowest movie ever made. But it's, it. I just found it ponderous. That's yet. all right. I went there. It cast a spell on me. I ideas. Great, great, and very good performances. Oh, I, absolutely had a moment there, there's scenes where the actors are rehearsing and they're doing read-throughs table reads and they're kind of and they're boring and whatever but i was struck by the courage these people have to put themselves out there in that way i was i kind of had new respect for actors like you could see that they're sitting down and they want to do well and they want it to work and i just thought wow that's brave i i don't know it happens all the time in rehearsal rooms down the street in north hollywood but i felt like this moment as an actor is that something that you resonate with Drew, like that idea of like every time you try something, it's kind of like this leap of faith. I really felt that watching them together and the way they interacted. 
Yeah, I mean, I maybe I, I did think it, it was interesting. And then there was another part of me that was sort of like, I was, I don't know, I'm sort of weird. I'm like, I feel like actors are kind of boring sometimes. And maybe it's just because it's my job. And I'm like, oh, we're around a table read. They're just talking. It's boring. You know, I'm like, I like the country, the driving more than that. I don't know some of that stuff. But and I'm like, but no, Drew, you're a hero. Every time you sit at a table, it's you're a hero. But it, it, it there's something else that I think about, which is that it sort of uh, celebrates the role of art in life and making it bearable. And I, and sure. there's a oh, part yeah. of me that thinks, oh, artists are more important or they matter more. And I'm like, well, maybe it's sports for somebody else, or maybe it's that thing for somebody else. But it, I, uh. I think I do think artists are just better and <laughs> more important. They, <laughs> they should matter more. Um, there's, they, a building, there's a building in development across the street from me. They're yep. almost done making it. And I invite you to go over there and watch the paint dry. <laughs> <laughs> I might do it. If there's a, a sexy Japanese man sitting there <laughs> thinking about it. I'll give you the sexy part. <laughs> All right. Um, how are we doing on our, our respective lists? Do we have a few more left? How do we feel? Are there any glaring ones that we haven't talked about? Um, I've got a few. Yeah, okay, go, do one. That's all right. We can be the drive my car of movie wrap-up. No, we're not. We're not that. We're more engaging. Well, wait, uh, I don't remember whose turn. So, Drew, why don't you take this next one? Oh, up? okay. Well, I've we've mentioned, because I had Barb and Star on my list as yes. one of my favorites of the year. I think that's just like, just to just to circle back to that, I think it is Kristen Wiig and Annie Mumolo at their absolute best. I think it was, spec and it was exactly, I hate the phrase, this is the movie we need. But right. it was the movie we needed at the time. Right. Um, worst person in the world, Red Rocket. We've talked about all the ones. I loved The Lost Daughter. Um, uh, I loved um, uh, Tragedy of Macbeth. These were two that I was really not expecting to like, but I thought were both um, incredible. And I'm really shocked and uh, that I loved uh, Nightmare Alley. That like I liked it too. Good. I thought it was maybe not a movie that like should win all the awards, but it is, it's pulp. It's, it's, it's noir. I thought it was gorgeous. And I thought Bradley Cooper was great. I thought everyone in it was really good. And I, I was there and I thought it was, it was so much better than the shape of water, which I hated, but I was like, this is like, like so well done. I don't know. I, I thought it was, I, I don't know why it's kind of getting the, the short end of the stick. Cause the people, I don't know what people were expecting, but it's, it's broken carnies and drunks and three. It's long but yeah. gorgeous and I don't know. I was I was there. I, I loved it. Have you seen the original? No, I have seen the Geffen did a play. They did a stage version of it. Maybe ten years ago, I saw that, but I've not seen the '40s film. No, the original, the, the new movie. What it does so well is contextualizes Bradley Cooper's character that uh -huh. you get. You start off right at the carnival in in the original, oh, uh -huh. and that he's already like part of it. Whereas this, I thought, really gave us this sort of slimy black backstory of him that I that that totally enriched the ending. Uh, that, totally, that, that beautiful shot of him acting in that last scene is amazing. He's so good. Another one. Why? He's I mean, always I better than than he needs to be. He's just like yeah. a, he's just amazing. I watched Nightmare Alley and Power of the Dog around the same time. And I had the same reaction to both, which was the ending was like, oh, it's that kind of movie. I love that kind of movie. Those are my wow. movies, but I didn't know until I got to the end. So I love them and I want to watch them again. But I like, I like their sort of 
their their attitude towards humanity because I think I'm a pretty sunny person, but I think I like my movies dark. a little yeah. more dark. Like, yeah, same. I'm not a big fan of escapism necessarily, but um, I like what both of them had to say about uh, about the world, and I thought they both really stuck their endings. Um, where you were like, oh, you know, because uh, Nightmare Alley could have ended like a few scenes earlier, and I'm like, it's still going, and then it was that. I'm like, oh my god, it's that. Oh my god! Oh my god! It's, like it's I, all back. Yeah, yeah. It's it was cool. Um, I was not a fan of the lost daughter. Uh, I really didn't go on that ride. And I, here's my they they're it's about a woman who who is not that into her kids or doesn't want to. Yeah, be, absolutely. Being a, not that into being a mother. And every time they flash back to where it was with kids, I'm like. I'm not that into those kids either. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, like uh, so I did a very good job of like making you like not want to be around those particular kids. Um, but I, I know it speaks to other people, but I wasn't that into it. I thought um, that was exactly why. Cause I, I just thought she was such a, so good. such a complicated mess. And I love that she was drunk and kind of evil. There were times where I'm like, whose side am I on? I thought Dakota <laughs> Johnson was incredible. Jesse Buckley was so good. And, the ending was like, wait, what? What is? What happened? What is this? And what did happen? <laughs> I don't know. I, I know, and I don't know. And I, 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 my, my, my biggest issue is the ending with it. And I, you know, I, and I, you know, but but other, I, I felt like uh, Olivia Coleman gave an incredible performance, and always and so good. I just was there, like I was like I. Yeah. And, and it felt Hitchcockian. I kept, and the whole time I was like, "Are those kids in danger? What is she gonna do to them? What's gonna happen?" And I would just, it, it just kept me, kept me guessing. And I love right, that it was, yeah. And uh, it was definitely a female. It was definitely talking about like how we've learned these kind of movies. We've had male directors, often gay men, directing these women films where the woman goes crazy, and she throws herself out of a window and lands on spikes and we go hooray she was crazy done and the camp of it we love and we got but when you have a woman telling the story it's oh you're not going to get off that easy she's she it's going to be a lot murkier and the ending yeah. and i think it's it's a different way of it's more like a novel where you kind of go wait i got to read that last chapter again oh wait it's i read everything wait what am i not getting <laughs> in a way that um you know, I, I I felt less satisfying, but I was like, I but definitely felt intentional. You know. Yeah, I'm, I'm in between the two of you on the film because I think that the performances are great. Uh, the ones you mentioned, um, I think it's beautifully directed. I think it's about something totally interesting and fascinating. But I also was left with it is that all there is by the end of it, and I think the criminal part of this film was you take two of my favorite up-and-coming actors, Oliver Jackson Cohen and Paul Mescal, and you give them absolutely nothing. There's nothing for them in the film. And I wanted well, them to be a part of it. I was pissed off. It, it, I was like, why are they in this film? What, well, what now you know, know how women feel. <laughs> <laughs> no, I bet it speaks to, I think, that I, I can How many movies you're like, that one, there were two women in the movie and they had three lines each. I mean, you know, I mean, I think they were intentionally like, Men are not going to get a lot to do in this movie. It's not about them. But yeah, I know what you mean. They're great. Yeah. It just felt, it, but point taken. Um, yeah. and then, I don't mean to be that person, but like, but I'm hearing you say that. I'm like, yeah, that's so many. Yeah. Anyway. 
And Drew, I know you didn't love Power of the Dog. I did. I actually thought it improved on second viewing. And Cody McPhee's performance is masterful when you watch it the second time. I completely agree with you on him. And I and I need to see the film again. Sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. Well, I, I want to see it on the big screen. because I, I know you didn't like Benedict, Benedict Cumberbatch's performance, which I get. Even though I loved him, I understand where you're coming from with thinking it's a little too performative. Yes. Over the top. Um, but my favorite takeaway from that film is that Netflix sent me this keychain for for the movie oh, and what? it is so diabolical that this yes. is sense. and i'd like i have it on my keychain and every time i look at it i'm going this is sick <laughs> yeah. yeah like who sent that you want to be like um you know people die that way that, that that's really that's... netflix <laughs> hi you know netflix uh post <laughs> all the controversy you've had is that really what you want to be sending out Slow your roll, Netflix. You can't send out like I don't know, like a bottle of uh, Kirsten Dunst's gin or something. Yeah. It's like a or as, a as a takeaway. If I took all the crap that Netflix sent this year to uh, critics and journalists like myself and Glenn, I could build a little fort. So if I lose my home <laughs> for any reason, I could build a house out of Netflix. Half my apartment is yeah. <laughs> the box. No. The boxes alone were amazing. They're like really beautiful boxes that you can use for crafts and things. So yeah, oh, yeah they, anyway. they, it's the amount of money they spend just to get you it's to watch crazy. it. And you can click on for free to watch. But yeah, I have to say, yeah, Power of the Dog. I need to watch again because I didn't hate it. I was just really confused by by it. Honestly, I, it, it, it was murky and confusing to me. I thought that Cody Smith-McPhee was phenomenal. I thought Kirsten Dunst was incredible. I mean. Two of my favorite performances of the year were in this movie that I really didn't love. The second hour was so much stronger to me than the first hour. I just didn't care about these two brothers. And I didn't and and the, the score was so bombastic that every moment was played the same. I was like, everything's so imp I don't I I, I it, it didn't and I thought that Bennett Cumberbatch's performance was like, yeah, I thought it was like Dinner Theater, Oklahoma. I thought he was just doing like <laughs> I, I'm shocked that he's getting. I thought he was bad, and I, yeah. I really like him other things. But it was like it was like me trying to do a cowboy. I don't. I don't want to see that. And like you know, so I um, and I just yeah. I wish that yeah. Like like to your point, Dennis. Like at the end of that movie, it had been that the whole time in in tone. You know, and like we understood like what is the film that we're getting. But again, I'm going to watch it again because it's something that I saw early and was like, meh, not for me. And then the amount of attention around it, I'm like, well, I didn't hate it, but I certainly didn't have that reaction or that feeling about it like other, that other people did. I, I cried early on in it when Jesse Plemons and Kirsten Dunst are kind of dancing in the yeah. meadow. That moved me to tears. I loved it. I think once I was able to divorce myself from the fact that it's not a Western, that this is a Hitchcock thriller. Yeah. Uh, right. A low-key one. That's when I really enjoyed it because I compared it to Alfred Hitchcock's Frenzy. I don't know if you know that film. It's about oh, the next Oh, God. Film. Yeah. But it's a wow. movie. I'm interested in that. Everything clicks into place into the, in the last moments so beautifully and that's what this movie does where it's challenging you're like if you weren't paying attention you gotta watch this again and that's what this movie does for me where when i saw it the second time i'm like oh this stuff started clicking really early in the film way earlier than i thought right and that a lot of people are saying that it relies too much on coincidence and i'm like no it's waiting for coincidence and that's it's a snake in the grass movie that you don't see coming that right. i thought was really really fantastic yeah i need to watch it again then because i missed all of that stuff yeah. Um, 
What's another movie I wanted to mention? Oh, you know what's better than I thought it would be? Cruella. Uh, we don't need to go on a long time about it, but I thought it would just feel like a gross cash grab. And it was kind of had a fabulous style. And there was a moment where she's in a dress and the garbage truck pulls away and the dress unfurls. And I was like, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. So, and I thought Emma Thompson had some great, or Emma Emma Stone. I liked Emma Stone better than Emma Thompson, but um, yeah, I, I liked it more than I thought I would. I haven't seen it. Yeah. It's got some cool style stuff, especially costumes and and so forth. I enjoyed um, it in the, the sense that I felt that um, Craig Gillespie, who directed I, Tonya, which I loved. Um, me I too. Thought, I just thought Disney gave him all this money and they just let him make the movie he wanted to make. Yeah, no, which you don't I always expect. I saw his fingerprints on the movie, which is rare when somebody gets a big studio gig that did an indie. Yeah. And he had his fingerprints on the movie. He had really fun needle drops. And there were memorable scenes, which never happens to me in these big budget movies, where mm. I just loved her big entrance when she sets her dress on fire and it's red. And I'll, I won't forget that. That was cool. Yeah. Um, I saw the Eternals trailer 28,000 times <laughs> before every <laughs> movie <laughs> ever. Games. Yeah. And, that and uh, Nicole Kidman stepping in puddles. Uh, can I just tell you, I am obsessed with that. That's your moment I find it, it's, I find it very riveting. And, it, and it's gone from, that's weird, to, oh, sh that's, that's annoying. I don't like it. To now, it gets applause in the theater. Yeah. It's gone to camp. It's camp. Totally. It was always camp, but it's been embraced as camp. People applaud in the theater for the Nicole Kidman AMC commercial. No, it's our like I've fallen and I can't get up, or you know, uh, you know, it's, it's it's just our it's our anthem. Because she's so in it, she's so, so in it. Uh, it's I'm obsessed with it. What did you guys think of being in the Ricardos? Ugh, snore. <clears throat> Not that into it. And I thought she was great. I thought all the uh, the actors did a good job, and um, I just thought I, I I'm so tired of him trying to t tell to, to, to do comedy on any level. And I know the film wasn't supposed to be a comedy, but it was just it was one of those mirthless things I've ever seen. Like Studio sixty, it's like it's like really like pulling apart a butterfly to see why it's beautiful. It's like sort of like. You know, um, or like, what is that? What is the thing where they stab a butterfly into styrofoam to explain why it's beautiful? It's that whole thing. Anyway, um, I promise I'm sober. I'm just crazy. But um, <laughs> I think that, I think uh, it was, I, the documentary wraparound was unnecessary. It was too long. It, it, it made Lucille Ball seem completely insane. And I'm not the world's biggest Lucille Ball fan either. It, it slash, I really never got, kind of really got her, she never did the thing for me that it, for most people, and but I do love Vivian Vance, and I do love that era, and and I and I do think um, Nicole Kidman did a great job, but I don't, I just didn't care, and I, I just, I don't know, meh. It just felt like I, the person I was thinking about while watching it wasn't Lucy or Ricky or Desi or any of them was Aaron Sorkin, and I felt like yeah. every every idea that he found in a book, everything he wrote on a note card, he was going to fit it in that movie if it fucking killed him. And so it felt a little like emotionally, it didn't like have any, to, for me, I didn't go on a kind of journey. I just felt like uh, well, it was a lot of interesting in one week. You know, that yeah. it was also his time, his idea of putting everything in one week and like a week in the life of the episode. It's like, well, now she's insane. Like calling them at three <laughs> o'clock in the morning. Which is like, this is a week in the life, working with the loose. And it's like, 
well, you know, and um, and the, uh, there was apologetic stuff in it towards William Frawley that about like I don't know that I felt that he was kind of paternal with her that I didn't really enjoy watching a man from that era. I don't think he was ever that nice of a person, and I don't think he was a good. I don't think he ever cared what women thought. Yeah. You know, I mean, in that era, he didn't give a shit. She's a woman. It does, she doesn't matter to him. So, I mean, and I don't know. I It just, yeah. 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 yeah, I would have been really happy had it just been about the process of making this episode. Um, yet he's clear. Sure. The pregnancy, the red scare, the you know the, you know, the infidelities. It's 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 too many cooks. It was just it was so much crammed in. Whereas I just thought watching an artist figure something out is what compelled me, and that what I admired about Lucy in this film is her just trying to figure it out. And I was drawn to that, even though yeah, it makes her look crazy calling people up to the set at three in the morning. But at least she cared, and that's what. Right. Here's something that I always notice in movies and TV about comedy when we're like, she's the best there's ever been. And then we see her act and we're like, not that funny. I think that is one of the oh, hardest yeah. things for any show to do. It's different with music. Like you can, you can oh, yeah. create a spectacular musical moment and you go, that person's a legend. That's, that's um, Jamie Foxx, Ray Charles or whoever it is. But when it's like somebody's great at comedy or that's the funniest comedy show that's ever been on television. And then we're dramatizing it. And you're like, I'm not laughing, but I know it's supposed to be great. It's like the, it's a double suspension of disbelief. Yeah, it's it's all. I think a lot of it too is that the magic in the original artist isn't there, as opposed to you know, uh, you know, so you're getting somebody trying to recreate something. It's just I I still haven't learned the lesson. I will talk about somebody's sketch that I saw at the Groundlings ten years ago, and I will go, they did this, they did this, they did this, and people just kind of look at you glazed over, like, uh huh, I'm sure that was funny for you. It's not funny when you retell it. And and dissecting comedy is so it gets very it, it gets very scientific and it gets really like nerdy and it gets it's so not sexy, it's so not funny to talk about why something's funny and why something isn't funny. It's just a, it's a visceral reaction. And I think that people's react people's taste and people when people say oh i don't know anything about comedy so i i don't know as much as and i go no you know as much about comedy as i do as anybody else because it's in you what you find funny it's just like pointing at art and saying that's good that's bad it's all relative so what you find funny is is the truth versus a movie telling you this is what funny is and but yeah every time i have to see stand up and i'm and like trey and oh. just like that or um or, or even Mrs. Mason, you know, yeah. Anytime you're just like, oh, get away, cut away from these scenes. We don't need, we, we'll, I, we'll I, just take your word for it that they're good. We don't need to yeah. see them be good because they're not going to be good. No, right? and it's, 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 it's always, it's always DOA. I've never seen stand up or like even like, I don't know. I don't enjoy comedy about making comedy. I mean, I, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of TV shows I'm going to get into them that people love talking about, but I'm sort of like, that's not really what it is. And yeah, I don't know. There's, there's a, there's a chaos that's necessary for to actually see. And you're, 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 and, and then it's, I don't know. It's like, you're watching people being very clinical and talking about why this is funny and explaining a joke. And now I'm like, well, the, the laugh is like in the car, like yeah. on the, you know, it got, it, it's in, it's in drive you know. my car in Japan yeah. in the back seat with the, <laughs> that guy. 
um, yeah, so the comedy in movies, tough, tough, yeah. tough. Um, we haven't talked about Belfast, and I because I just kind of laid there for me, but I was very tired when I saw it. But I don't have anything against it. Um, oh, I really enjoyed it. I was yeah. expecting nothing. I thought the performances were fantastic. And then as a cast, it was so incredibly wonderful, like the acting wise. And I really enjoyed it. I, I I appreciated that it was short, and I thought it was like it had a it heart its heart in the right place, and I really enjoyed it. I liked I it. <laughs> you weren't. It's your coda. It's your coda. I think I, I think they're great performances. I think it's a really good story. I love that it's told. I, I'm with you in all of that. Um, and I, I remember moments from it. I'll never forget Judy Dench's face at the very end. Yes, it's fantastic performance. Um, I object to how it was shot and directed. I thought every image was so jaw-droppingly beautiful, it took me out of the story that it was trying to tell. Mm. But there were shots that I don't even think cut together. I'm like, are we even in the same scene anymore? Where is this? And so that took me out of what I thought was an important story to tell and that it felt very personal. You know, it was kind of reminded me um, a lot of that John Borman film, um, uh, Hope and Glory. Uh, but uh, just the way it was directed and shot really took me out of it. And I also thought the Van Morrison movie music cues, which were every music cue, um, felt lazy to me. And so wow. that those two things combined took me out of a film that I thought I really wanted to like more. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Are there any movies on your list that we didn't talk about? I, I had... Oh, go ahead, Drew. I just had... I'm sorry. sorry. I had... I. I um... As a, a proud member of Film Independent, I, what I love about Film Independent, I watch. I'm the nerd that watches every movie that gets nominated for the Indie Spirit Awards. Every oh, year. I love that. And I and I saw. Well, one of these was on my list anyway, because obviously. But I, there were four that I have. There have been a lot. Like obviously, Red Rocket and Pleasure and Lost Daughter, a lot that we've already talked about. But there were four that I wanted to give shout out. Yes, that I shout out because I every time we do this episode, I take notes and then I try to watch the things that I hadn't seen. Oh, cool. Well, there were two that were in the international category, one of whom is obviously Almodovar's Parallel Mothers that I thought was really wonderful. I thought it Penelope Cruz at her career best. It's It has a, a lot of incredible history in it that I did not know of, about, just like the Spanish people and their history with, with, with Nero and, and the bodies. And it's got this huge, huge story and then a very personal, small uh, story about these two women and then I it's it's it really well told the pacing is incredible and loved it um and then another um uh, uh international film from Finland called compartment number six I want to see that it just opened it's Friday fantastic it is I mean it, it, I love um uncomfortable Scandinavian movies that are just like a two people like trapped in a car I you know I've seen there's one called Duel uh, a lesbian film from here there was an outfest and uh, I love 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 but this is very similar in tone it's like about kind of broken kind of awful people but you love them and they're in a train car on a road and it's just it's really smart I was so into it the entire time I thought it was so incredibly well done um and then two really small indies that I had never even heard of that I was blown away by, one of whom is called Wild Indian, starring Michael Gray Eyes, who, um, who is, is, and it's a savage, brutally dark noir uh, about uh, two Native American friends uh, growing up and a crime, and it is unrelenting, violent, it's dark, it's fantastic, really sharply written. And then another film called Test Pattern, 
um, that's 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 taken. It's it's a very familiar story, sadly, that we've heard a lot about date rape and making some bad decisions when you go out one night and the living. But it is so smartly done um, with some incredible leading performances, a really good script uh, that I highly recommend. Um, and I think. Wild Indian and Test Pattern, I believe, are both on, available on Amazon. So if those are ones those that are just like, oh, I'm going to check out something really, really well done. And, you know, I, I recommend both of those. I love it. I love it. I want to just give a shout out to three movies that I had the filmmakers on this podcast. Um, Luz, L-U-Z, which is a, a gay love story oh. in a prison that I was into. Oh, uh, cool. Swan Song with Udo Kier. Yes, um, of course. Todd Stevens movie that got some indie spirit love, which we're happy to see about that. And Potato Dreams of America, which is just oh my god, which is the wonderful. theaters. Uh, oh, wonderful movie. So I love yeah, that movie. Those are three little shout out movies. So add them to your list if you haven't seen them. Um, Glenn, what do you what do you have still on your list? Yeah, I have a few that like I want to highlight very briefly. Yes. Um, I really enjoyed the De Palma-esque nature of Last Night in Soho. It just felt Me like too. Wright, that was so much fun. I forgot about that one. Yeah, Edgar Wright, he, he understands the pulpy dreamlike state that De Palma does. And I thought he understood it really well. That that was a fun movie, flawed as hell, random and strange at times. But sure. It, um, you know, I didn't like it. I I was kind of offended by it in a weird way. Really? Yeah. I, How I, are you offended? I'm so curious. I felt like they were dealing with sexual violence oh. and some of these areas. The pl- the story had to do with that, but but in the end, they hadn't really thought very much about it. It was more pulpy, and and, and I felt like the ending undermined what they had sort of set up, but they just thought it would be cool if that's who did it. Um, and I also thought the way the the ghosty men, you would see ghosty faces men, they looked like they were in the Haunted Mansion at Disneyland. 100%. It would have been creepier if they were just there, if there's regular people. So <laughs> I just not on board. So yeah, I, I was- not, And I agree with all of those points, but I think yeah. it's an Italian giallo movie and it's just trying to be yeah. crazy. I and- like the dancing part though. There was yeah, some cool dancing. Social points might be a bit, a bit misguided, for sure. Um, I really love Kristen Stewart's performance in Spencer, which oh, I, yeah. I just thought that she really captured something that The Crown hasn't captured, that, you know, Diana the Musical hasn't captured. That oh, I, I so disagree. That's so interesting. Yeah, I know a lot of people don't love it. And I was questioning it at first when I was in the first half hour, but I grew to love her. And so yeah. Emma Corrin to me and the crown is so much more interesting, but inter- anyway, yeah. I like King Richard for what the yes. subject of the film was that you really understood racism and a black man's place in society and how he navigates it. That is really the story there that yes, we all know the Venus and Serena Williams story, but this movie is really, it's not called King Richard for, you know, that's not a mistake why it's called that. It's about this guy who's maybe delusional, maybe crazy, maybe too tough on people, but he's doing what he feels he has to do to survive. And I thought that was really touching and really kind of inspired I, I really like that movie way more than i thought i would um and past- i agree i mean so and ingenue ellis gives is an is my favorite part of the whole movie right. She's the, the scene in the kitchen she has a great yes, scene, that in, scene the in the kitchen it's like hand her the oscar she's incredible and i thought will smith was great like i didn't see him i felt like he was a different i i, I thought he really created a character so um, i don't i didn't begrudge him uh, any trophies he might have coming his way 
Passing, I think, is a really interesting tonal movie. Oh, I, I haven't seen that. Yes. Rebecca Hall just she, beautiful. She's not trying to be showy. It's a very a lot of single takes where the camera's not moving and she's creating a kind of an upper crust tone which fits perfectly into the story of these two black women in the 20s in new york trying to pass as white one more frequently than the other does but she's kind of lets the film breathe in that space in a really interesting way um i i was really touched by it and moved by it and ultimately it's got one of those lost daughter endings you go what the hell happened uh that yeah. the, the book does as well it, it's uh i think it's a really interesting special movie um i agree with you on swan song i had that on my list too dennis um really enjoyed that and uh the one that I kind of wanted to like highlight is just like a last mention here and Parallel Mothers. I, I, I do find that Omoldovar tends, tends to go very telenovela and serious uh, um, melodramatic uh, to a fault sometimes. And this, because of the historical undercurrent, it added a layer that made this film much more, more rich for me than a lot of his films in the past. Mm. Uh, that I This one I will remember in a way that, yeah. and yes, I think Penelope Cruz is at her best here. Um, but the, the film I wanted to highlight is another what I think will be an international Oscar nominee, uh, which is Oscar Fahardi's A Hero. Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen oh, it. I just saw it last week. It's wonderful. So he won the Oscar twice for A Separation and then for uh, The Salesman. And I think that this one could be a sneak attack and win the Oscar out from under Drive My Car, and I would prefer it. Uh, oh, just, same, same. Our, our friends Alonzo Duralde and Dave White on their uh, Linoleum Knife podcast described this film as, this could easily have been a Curb Your Enthusiasm episode if it were a comedy. 100%. And, and about a guy in a really impossible situation trying to navigate it and being flawed, being uh, unpredictable, irrational, gentle and sweet all concurrently and you just see the screws turn from scene to scene to scene where the situation just keeps getting more dire and worse and and it's fascinating because the stakes in if this movie were set in the united states are you could spend the rest of your life in prison and that would be a hell whereas here the way they depict the prison in iran it feels kind of like a like a boys club in a weird way so it's a little non-threatening and which i found it so interesting and compelling to watch this film going okay is this gonna back there is that the worst outcome and uh so it keeps you guessing who this guy is and what his nature is and i i i, I really enjoyed it a lot I did too. I thought it was great. And it's a very, just an entire moral quandary of what would you do? What would you do? What would you do? And yeah, I, I it had me on the edge of my seat and it was so mundane in terms of the material, what was happening. But yeah, I, I thought it was masterful. And yeah. I think that's what he's great at is taking the mundane and turning it into yeah almost a genre film. Yeah. And I loved both of the two big Disney animated movies this year, Encanto and Luca. I thought they were beautiful. And Encanto, I just thought, wow, these themes are really sophisticated in terms of the story of like fitting in and do I have something special? And it wasn't just like there's a good person and a bad person. And like, I just thought, wow, this is rich for a family film. And I just thought the animation was beautiful. And I love that the songs are becoming sort of pop hits on the, on Spotify. And I just, I'm, I'm, I, I can't deny the, I was encantoed by it. I got encantoed. Encanto. I, got, I got seriously encantoed. Two, um, two yeah. Of Bruno's in them too. 
But yeah, two films with Bruno. And then Luca was such a, like a gay metaphor story. Yeah. Um, so I'm into that. We don't need to talk about Dear Evan Hansen, even though that was the movie I saw on my birthday. Uh, yeah. You know. I didn't see it. I, didn't, I love the stage show. I just avoided the movie, but. It's terrible. I love the stage show too. It's weird. I like the card counter with Oscar Isaac. Uh, and that was very polarizing. I did not see that either. Yeah, he's delicious too. I'm just watching scenes from a marriage and thinking that too. I'm like, gosh, woof. Oh my goodness. But yeah. talk about watching paint dry. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Two of my favorite actors that I love both. And I'm, so I'm watching it because I love them. Yeah. But I'm sort of like, this is an acting exercise that we could we could get to it. Or is there an it? I don't know. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm yeah. in the middle of it. I say do it on Zoom and leave us alone. <laughs> um, with, uh, with Encanto, though, what's surprising to me is that the Bruno song is such a giant hit. Yeah. Which is so unpredictable because that's not in, <laughs> it's not in the Disney um, you know canon to have a song, that song be the hit. Because I think the song Dos Orguitos is the song. I, right. I just, I it's just, the pretty ballad. Beautiful, beautiful song. And it's not getting the same traction as the bruno song well bruno caught fire on tiktok because people were oh, doing right. funny things to it so they the the public sort of said no this is the song disney so i know you like that other one this is the one that we're gonna we're gonna pantomime and get really into and have fun with so so but, if i'm hearing you correctly then waving through a window should have been used as a clip on a tiktok and that might have helped <laughs> i don't know if there was any helping it you know, when know Star is born, I like that other song better than the one that they put. The, I'll always remember us this way. It's such a beautiful song that yeah. when I saw the movie the first time, I was like, well, this will be the song. Yeah. Then what's that song called? Shallow? Wonderwall. Oh, Shallow, whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. But I love the other one. And I was just I was like, well, that shows you what I know. But I was like, when I, the movie, it was even more interestingly placed in the film. And I was like, oh, this will be the song that everyone's going to yeah. be. And it should win the Oscar. And the other one, I was like, oh, it's fine. But anyway. Yeah. I there you go. I have to be a film critic and have to understand TikTok to contextualize my opinions now. Yeah, it'll oh, help. I know. That's the, the world. You guys, this has been delightful. As always, I leave here with a list of movies that I need to catch up on. I hope that the people listening have done the same. And I didn't prepare you for this, but I'm going to put you on the spot and see what you have. Before we leave, is there any movie from 2022 that you're looking forward to? Oh my gosh, I don't even know what's coming out. I know, well, I will start, because last year we all knew we're waiting for West Side Story, we're waiting for In the Heights, we're waiting for James Bond, because we everything was held up. This year, the only movie that there's a Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum movie together called um, The Lost City, that is like a Romancing the Stone ripoff. And I'm like, okay. I love both of those actors. I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm there for it, I'm there for it. It's gonna be fun times at the movies. Sure. Yeah. I'm gonna, just gonna say a moment. I'm, 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 because we. It's a movie we have not talked about this year. Oh, but yeah. I want to give a final shout out. This is a moment that I'm secreting, uh, that I want to happen at the Oscars, yes. which is I desperately want Jessica Chastain to win Best Actress for The Eyes of Tammy Faye because it is, to me, the most remarkable performance of the year, and it is, it is as someone who grew up in the backyard of Jim and Tammy and that whole world. I was with Tammy. I, I thought it was, she's phenomenal. And I don't know why she's not at the top of everyone's list. So that's what I'm going to secret to I 2022 at the Oscars, her winning an Oscar for that. Because are, 
why she's not the, the, the number one choice is baffling to me. I have a theory about it, which is this, because it's on my list, and I I liked it. Like I write I write little ratings numbers in my note in my phone after I see a movie, and that was like a nine plus or something. So I liked it. I feel like it wasn't the time, or like we're not into the. This isn't the time for that story for some reason or something, or there was the documentary that that already happened. But when you're watching it, you're like, she's great. I'm moved. I'm in it. But but it's something about timing. I think. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure either, but I thought I was like that. It was Charlize Theron and monster level. Great to me where you're doing a huge performance that is so layered and so filled in and so earned and exactly who that one was. And it made me love her even more. Yeah. And I just, and it was seeing Jessica Chastain in a way that we've never seen her. And, and I just, and, and, and I really think other than Olivia Coleman, I think best actress is kind of is a weak category this year, and then so I, I don't even I don't understand why it's not just like oh well that's a given. Yeah, but, I think it was something about the people weren't in the mood for that movie or something, even though it's a yeah. good movie. Glenn, yeah. any thoughts? Um, yeah, and I, I think Andrew Garfield is actually brilliant in that film. I agree, he's so good. The wrestling he's, scene where you see his latent homosexuality is he plays a Arrested Development in that film so well. I, I want to share something that I felt watching him in Tick, Tick, Boom, which I don't remember feeling in a movie before, was watching his performance as Jonathan Larson, I thought, oh, you can tell he's nice to everybody on the set. You could tell he's he's treating the other friend characters like they're all just equally friends. Like there wasn't, he seemed to embody a sort of democraticness in his specialness, if that makes sense, when he was relating to the friends. Like, you're not just supporting me. We're in it together. I don't know. It's a weird feeling to have mm. watching a movie. But it, that's what I thought when I was watching him. He's playing a theater person, and that's the culture, too. Right. But it, yeah. I felt it. I felt it. Right? Anyway, yeah. I, I wouldn't mind if he walked off with a little trophy. And, well, um, yeah. My movie of 2022 that I'm looking forward to. In, well, I am looking forward to Avatar 2, I have to confess. Just to see, like... <laughs> We have any Do we power? remember anything that happened at Avatar One? Yeah, yeah. Just like, why is he? Why is he spending the rest of his career making these movies? I just, it's yeah. so nuts, isn't it? But but the movie that I'm really looking forward to, just because it's got that Charlie Kaufman vibe to it, is the unbearable weight of massive talent with Nicolas Cage playing Nicolas Cage. Oh, oh yeah, that looks really fascinating. Yeah, yeah. total folly. But yeah. I just I love I love just movies that are just out there and daring with their concepts even though this does feel like a bit of a ripoff to being john malkovich uh, that it could be has that potential but uh you know i i i look forward to this we're in a cage of songs right now so I'm yeah hey, we're, I'm we're embracing it. I, it I would say that but i'm here for it i'm here for it too next year we're going to talk all about how how <laughs> avatar moved us beyond <laughs> anything that we could have believed he avatar does have he 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 upends your expectations. He does. Like we all thought, Titanic was going to be a like he's he I would never count Cameron out for sure. But yeah. um, it doesn't. There aren't kids with Avatar sheets like Star Wars. Like it was a massive hit, but nobody really took it into their heart in the way some you know these other movies are. You know, because no one cares about climate change. And I blame the font. <laughs> I think the you should not. I agree. Papyrus. Yeah. You know, that font's criminal. That font is criminal. We could do a whole other two hours on fonts. You guys, thank you so much for sharing your passion thank for movies. Thank you. This was so much fun. It was super fun. <laughs>
and we'll catch you next time. I'm going to do a little outro and let people call into my my number and share their thoughts on movies. So we can uh, have a dialogue with, with the people listening. Thanks, guys. You're awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Glenn Gaylord and Drew Droge. I had so much fun talking about movies with you guys. All right, so this happened. One of my recent podcast guests, Matt Ogans, got nominated for an Academy Award, you guys. The Dennis Anyone podcast bump is real. Uh, we had him on a couple of episodes ago. He was the filmmaker behind the short documentary Audible, which is on Netflix, and it got nominated for an Oscar. So... You know when you go do the Oscar pool and you never know much about the short films? Now you know one of them, uh, Audible, and we're rooting for him to take home the gold. So that's very exciting. Hey, this is Dennis jumping in with a last-minute addendum. Since I recorded the original podcast with Glenn and Drew and did my outros, Drew Drogi had a chance to watch The Power of the Dog again, and he had a change of heart, and he left this voicemail to talk about it. Check it out. Hello. I have an addendum to uh, what I said about Power of the Dog. Um, I have to say I wish this happened more often with me. Like, I, I am pretty bad about digging in my heels when I have an opinion, especially about a movie. And I just kind of – and I I try to rewatch things, and I just go, I just don't like it. But after doing the podcast with Dennis and Glenn, I, I watched um, the Power of the Dog again and loved it. I was shocked. Um, it's it's such a brilliant movie when you know, actually when you know the ending, how well-placed all the pieces are. And I was very frustrated with it. And Glenn said a really, really smart thing. He just said, you, you can't look at it like a Western. Think of it as a Hitchcock film. And it is. It's a suspense thriller. It's, it's um, I just, it was always very frustrating because I just didn't like it, but I kept thinking about it and it made me watch it again. So, um, and also I think the screening that I was at, the score was blaring, but when I watched it on Netflix, I thought the score was incredible. So, um, I was very wrong about the score. I was very wrong. I think that Jane Campion's direction was perfection. And it's just a, a, a really, I, I encourage people who don't like it the first time to, to give it a second try. Um, Yay, that's it. And Kirsten Dunst and Cody Smith are brilliant. And I felt that way the first time I saw it. So, yay, power of the dog. That's enough for this week. Thank you for listening. And we'll catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye.